Welcome to the Frame of Flower podcast, episode number 33. This is a special edition. This is a high design documentary edition. I'm joined by the legends, the three owners of the Jungle Boys, Ivan, uh, Pat, and Juice, or Roberto. Um, thank you guys for joining me, by the way. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, so this is connected for anybody that's watching this. Um, highly recommend you guys go and watch the uh, mini documentary um, uh, that I did on the Jungle Boys. And so this is kind of just going over, kind of debriefing over some of the different things that we talk about in the documentary, as well as just some other questions as well. Um, so first off, just... You know, we list all the way through, you know, we, we list some of the major kind of, um, uh, you know, obstacles that you guys had to overcome. But like we were just talking before this, Ivan, you know, I, I guess what, what are the top three hardest moments for you guys as owners uh, uh, in terms of overcoming bullshit? I know that's kind of a tough yeah. question, but I'm curious. One of the biggest ones has been obviously lawsuits, right? Yeah. That's been something that weighs on you heavily and something that you lose sleep over and something that, you know, because you never know what the outcome of any of that stuff's going to be, right? Especially when there's a lawsuit that you could lose your business, you know, lose your business, lose everything that you work for. So I think obviously lawsuits, you know, I think trying to navigate through the, the medical market to the, to the recreational market, trying to navigate our way through that. And, you know, there's no, there's no, there's no rule book for all, any of this stuff, you know? So it's kind of like, Oh, figure it out along the way. And, you know, hopefully you get it right. You know, hopefully you don't fuck up too bad, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Which one would like, so out of the different ones that we list in this documentary, um, I mean, you guys had, what, three lawsuits at one time going? So the city of L.A. one was obviously the long one, right? Yeah, that was a- that, that, that's definitely the biggest one because, you know, it, it, the, if the decision was made that we weren't compliant, we lose our license, we lose everything, you know. So at that point, you know, it's like you lose your, your location, you lose your grow, you lose your store, you lose everything. So everything is riding on that lawsuit, you know. So that, that, that's probably been one of the biggest ones for us for sure. Yeah, and um, and that billionaire one, that one kind of blew my mind. Um, were you guys were you guys all in the state? Were you guys in that same room when that billionaire, oh, yeah. the associate of the of the billionaire, came in and was? Oh yeah, the, yeah. The, the famous five million dollar bet. I know. So the five, yeah, and I wish I could have spent more time on that, but um, and I wish I could have gotten those text messages messages of. Like a screenshot of something being like hey bro when i gotta get that five mil you know like oh my god that must have that must have been crazy um yeah so i guess i guess so you know all these different obstacles right pretty pretty crazy um 
let's yeah when the, and the you know there's a lot of, we can go into so many different things but you know i i think let's let's talk about like the vertical integration let's go to that i have a whole different list that we can go through and then we'll, we'll edit we'll edit stuff and make it make it sound make make it make sense so do you guys ever plan on going getting or are you always going to stay vertically integrated always going to control the flower uh, i mean the the production or in the future is there going to be potential licensing yeah I mean, if, if anything like that was to happen in, in the future, we would still have, it would still be, we would still have control over it. You know, it would still be our growers, our SOPs, our, you know, our mindset, you know, it, it wouldn't be something where it's like, you know, here's a package, throw some flour and I put it on the shelf, whatever happens, happens, you know, I think uh, we're not ready for that, you know, because it's like our baby, you know. And, and we care about it so much. So I think at, at the end of the day, we would have to have a lot of control over it for the, something like that to happen. I mean, you know, I, I never say no to anything, right? Because uh, there could be an opportunity of someone that's a really excellent grower and knows what they're doing and can follow what we do, you know, and, and have the same mindset as us. So, you know, it's, it's definitely something we're interested in, you know, but it's not something that we feel like we need to take the next step in this industry you know yeah at this current moment you guys but you guys tech you guys definitely have the you guys you were saying to me um like a week ago something we were talking you you have the sops though to do it so you could technically train you know certain growers that you trust with your sops and then have them for sure yeah i think we always have this vision like tlc would be the school you know and all the growers would come here and learn and they would learn from us. And then, you know, from there we would send them out to all of our other locations, you know, and uh, maybe you're good at cloning. Maybe you're good at, you know, um, taking care of moms. Maybe you're an irrigation specialist, maybe you're a trimmer, you know? So we would have this big training facility here and you'd be taught by the jungle boys and you'd almost get like a jungle boy certification, you know, and you'd go out and, you know, maybe your next job is Florida, you know, Florida is opening up. So we have all these job openings in Florida. And I think that's something like we're striving for in the future to get to, you know? Yeah. That'd be amazing. Yeah. I think that'd be amazing. Um, and that would definitely be on brand for you guys. Um, and I, I'm sure there's thousands of people that would love to come to your guys at school and, uh, learn from you guys. Um, yeah, that, that, that's, that's super dope. Is that, is that in the works at all in the future or is it just kind of right now? I mean, it's definitely been put down on pen and paper, you know, and we've had some long talks about it. We were actually just talking about it with, with someone else. Uh, Fletch from Archive was down and we are just kind of like talking about what the future looked like for all of us, you know. And uh, that was like one of the biggest things that we would always circle back around was like, take the guys that we respect along with ourselves and kind of, you know, teach the up and comers, you know, like how we do it, you know, and then if you, if you made it through, you know, school or whatever we would call it, you know, you would basically be Jungle Boy certified and, you know, and you'd be certain taught by us, you know, and I think that would be really cool. That'd be, that'd be super badass. And I think that would definitely go along with you guys continually. You know, I think you guys are, you know, I talk about in the documentary how you guys expand, you guys are really smart because you guys expand heavily. You, you guys are expanding in the cultivation side. 
and you're not, you know, over leveraging the brand with the consumer, which I think is really smart. Uh, you know, kind of goes back to the vertical integration stuff. Um, that would be, that, yeah, that would be super dope. Um, so Pat, I'm just curious what kind of, um, so like, you know, you kind of do your behind the scenes financials. I'm just curious, like what, how would you describe, I guess, what you do? I'm just curious. It's. I do a little bit of everything, you yeah. know, been with them for a really long time. We've all been together, running really family. Uh, we keep it like a family and uh, each one of us is really good at everything that we do. And, you know, each one of us has our skill sets on, what we should be doing or how we should do it. We complement each other. We're able to move forward and focus and each one of us uh, play our role in what we do. You know, yeah. it, teamwork that makes the dream work. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, 100%. 100%. Um, you know, um, I think a lot of it is, you know, we don't have, you know, CEOs, CFOs. We don't have this big, huge department of people, you know. So it's very personal. It's very like, hey, you know, it, 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 that might not actually be a good thing. You know what I mean? As we grow, you know. But I think for us, um, it's how we've always ran the operation, you know. And it's like someone has to be here every day holding everything together, you know. Because when you have this many businesses and this many employees, and, and there's always something going on, you know, it's, it, whether it's, you know, an audit or, you know, a, a fire inspection or, you know, this employee just, you know, something happened, you know, they didn't show up to work today or there's an issue in the grow or we blew a power line. I mean, it's a million things, right? You got to have that guy that, you know, is there all the time that has your back. And I would say that he's definitely that guy. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, I, I, one of the things that I just really, you know, the more I researched you guys, I mean, I, I personally, I mean, I think maybe in the future, maybe that might become a problem, but I, I love the fact you guys are family orientated, you know, you're not corporatized. I mean, it's, it's getting, it's getting very corporatized as industry. Um, and I think it's pretty refreshing to see, you know, you guys reaching such you know heights of success and being able to uh you know still keep that family um kind of family and friends kind of uh, uh infrastructure in the business um i think that's i think that's super dope um you know in terms of you know we talked a little bit about ivan like the corporatization of the cannabis industry you know, how, like, I guess the more you guys expand and stuff, but, you know, in terms of like California, I'm curious, like, like how corporatized is it now compared to the beginning of, I mean, was medical ever that corporatized really? Probably not, not really at all. Right. No, you know, you, you're taking a, a market that was unregulated, right? We basically in LA, we had immunity from prosecution, right? It was never a license to cultivate. It was never a license to open up a store, right? It was literally immunity from prosecution. Yeah. That, that's what's so crazy about it when you think about it. You know, it's like we would hold on to this BTRC. It was a business tax uh, certificate. 
that showed that we paid our taxes. So when the cops would show up and say, hey, you can't be here, it was literally like, oh, well, I have immunity from prosecution and I'm on the list. And most of the times the cop didn't even know what the fuck you were talking about. Yeah. <laughs> he was, you know, they were just like, you guys grow fucking weed and you need to stop, you know? So I think now it's like they know who's legal, you know, you, you're registered, you pay all your taxes, we're full track and trace. So it's it's so much more corporate now, you know? And it's it's just it's 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 you know for better or for worse, right? It's it's more structured, right? Um, testing is a lot better, obviously. Everything is tested, you know. That, that there, there's good things that came out of it, right? Um, but there's also you know overtaxation and overregulation, and makes it very difficult to get a license. You want to go and build in the city of LA? It's a fucking nightmare, you know. You want to it takes years, you know, like. We pay more taxes than anybody, right? Like nobody out, no, no other businesses pay the taxes that cannabis businesses pay. You know, and I say we need cannabis, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, if, if you have this business that's paying millions and millions of dollars to a city that's bankrupt and doesn't have money, you think that the city would be opening their arms up? Like, what do you guys? Oh, you guys need power? Oh, let's get us, let's get you that power. You know, but it's the complete opposite. You know, it's it's we've got buildings we've been sitting on for three years that still don't have power because the city can't sign off on it and the Department of Water and Power doesn't give a fuck about it. You know, and it should be the complete opposite, right? They should be they they they, they, they work for us, right? They're they're public officials, right? That work for us, right? They're public servants, right? So but it's like the complete opposite. It's like we serve them and we work hard to pay all these taxes. And if we're like, hey, can we just open up our business? You know, can you just help us like get this power going? Because we're going to pay you millions of dollars in taxes, and it's it's there. It's just roadblock over roadblock and red tape after red tape. You know, and then to get a light to get a license alone in the city of LA is a fucking nightmare. You know, so what do you you're going and buying one and overpaying for it? You paid millions of dollars for it. Now you're in debt, millions of dollars. You got to get out of this debt that you're in. You know, so it's it's still very difficult in in some cities. Obviously, some cities have made it a little bit easier, and they've opened it up, and they they appreciate the taxes, and they want to work with the cultivators. But in the city of LA, there's just so many. It's so big, right? It's not a little town with a couple people in the city. I mean, there's thousands of people and millions of people that live here. You know, thousands of city officials. So it's like to try to get anything done has been very very difficult. Yeah, I bet. And so I got so two questions off that. So the first one is like, what do you? What's your guys' opinion? Like the BCC, right? Is that the? Is that what it's called or the? Yeah, BCC Bureau of Cannabis Control. Yeah. What do you? What's your overall opinion on them? Nothing but good encounters with them. You know, um, as far as like coming in and doing their audits and checking everything. Obviously, when it first happens, you're like, whoa, this is scary, right? Yeah. In the back of your head, you're like, did I do everything right? And is everything? You know, and it's like. Once you realize that, you know, hey, you do, you do everything you're supposed to do, you know, and, and you, you follow all the rules, you're okay. You know, it's just, you know, it, there's, when, it, when the first time they come in, you know, you're like, oh, shit, like, this is real, you know, like, this is, everything has to be in order, and you can't have anything messed up, and if somebody screwed up, you know, it, you know, it could be bad, you know, but I think, um, 
I think at the beginning when they, when this all first started, I think they, they they showed that they wanted to work with everyone. They understood that there was going to be mistakes, and if you, it was an honest mistake, they were they were okay with it, you know. But if you're blatantly, you know, not running a legal shop and, you know, you were still, you know, dally weighing out of a jar, obviously there was going to be a problem, you know? Mm. But I think uh, it's, we haven't had any bad experience with, with them at all. Yeah. And I, I've, they've done a pretty good job. I've, I've seen they've like protecting from like federal government and stuff. They've done a pretty decent, decent job there, I guess, uh, recently. Um, has, it, has it ever been like weaponized slash like, I guess this is kind of a complicated question, but like, I guess my main question is like, how corrupt do you think? Because every cannabis market's pretty corrupt in, in certain ways. Like overall, for like like California, I know it's hard to really say, but you know, is California cannabis is is the market pretty corrupt? I mean, it obviously, I mean, people are stacking licenses, right? And yeah, I mean, listen, a, they, yeah. they make this to where you can you can you know vertically stack a bunch of licenses and there's people with unlimited licenses and all that sure right but i think in any industry people will find loopholes through it you know like there's a smart enough lawyer that can read all this stuff and say hey you know you can get around this by doing this you know but that's more for like the the guys that got like multiple licenses stacked on top of each other you know doing you know million square feet of outdoor cultivation you know what i mean but i feel like hey if you got the market and, and the the taxes are there and someone can actually sell that through the system let them do it yeah i'm curious of like like what do you think the importance of the of genetics will be in the future right like is it going to be important like in terms of genetics like meaning like um I know like there's been talks of like proprietary genetics or anything like do you think in the like do you think genetics are going to be extremely important in the future or what do you, what do you think really um yeah I think genetics uh, exactly I think genetics have always been a really important part of this industry right it, from the guys that came into a town that was nothing but OGs right everyone like you know that was the king of OGs you know in LA and had all, you know, he, he was the guy that, you know, I think we kind of came in and kind of was like, let's change the mindset of people because there's so many different flavors out there. And, you know, like, not that OGs won't always be king and OGs will, will always be our favorite, you know, <clears throat> but there's also things that go really well with them. And I think that, uh, People trying to say, you know, oh, I, I originally owned this one genetic and, you know, no, like, like in order to go back and trace it, you know, it's like, you know, pedigree with dogs or, you know, if you want to use that for an example, you know, like purebred and all that stuff, you know, it's going to be very difficult to do, you know, unless you, because where do you start from day one? Who originally, right? Mm -hmm like with DNA sequencing and all this stuff and all the CRISPR stuff that everyone's talking about doing or doing now. I just heard the other day that a bunch of people are starting to do it now. Um, how do you go back and say, I was the first guy that had this cut of OG Kush and nobody else ever had it. You know what I mean? It's very difficult to do, you know, but uh, I'm sure people with a lot of money, you know, that, that think they're going to be able to do it are going to try, you know, I think more than anything, it's like we're running out of names in the cannabis industry, right? There's only so many freaking names you can come up 
right? And now it's becoming like this number thing, right? Which it's kind of fucking out of control, you know? And we, we're the same way sometimes, like, you know, we'll be like, all right, we'll, we'll have a creative session where we come up with names. And I'm like, this is just getting so fucking ridiculous now, you know? Because there's no more names left. There's literally isn't, you know? It's like, where do you get to a point where it's like, okay, enough is enough already. You know, like how many times can you use the same name, apple, orange, strawberry over and over and over again? And it's not that the strain does have apples, oranges, or strawberries. It's not that, it's just, you know, it comes down to there's only so many names you can use, right? So I think a lot of that stuff's gonna become an issue of, you know, it's already become an issue, right? Like. There are certain strains out there we, we've got from different companies uh, ceased and assist, like, hey, stop using this name because we have this band trademarked and the name is in it. You know what I mean? We're like, oh, shit, we didn't realize that, you know? And I think for a lot of people, it's like there's people that are just straight ripping off other brands. You know what I mean? When I say brands, I mean like major companies, cereal companies or whatever, you know, candy companies. And it's like, dude, you can't do that, you know? Like you can't take someone else's brand and someone else's name, you know, and, and put a Z at the end of it and be like, oh, it's okay. You know, like, yeah, it might've been okay in the old days, you know, like when yeah. making the kind of money they are now and this shit wasn't legal, but you know, when, when Nestle or Disney gets a hold of this cannabis company is now this multi-billion dollar company and they're making a bunch of money off, you know, Walt Disney OG, <laughs> Well, like that shit's not going to fly, you know, <laughs> some lawyer is going to get a hold of that and be like, put a stop to this shit right now, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, that's, that's a really, that's a really good point. Um, so I'm curious, like how unique is LA's cannabis market? Cause like one thing that I always, that blows my mind, uh, and either I don't, and I'm, you guys probably speak to this, but like, Maybe it's just the size of the market, which is, you know, I think LA, the LA cannabis market is probably one of the biggest, I mean, in the world, right? Um, city-wise. But the fact that there are brands, and I, I think this is dope, but like the fact that there are brands that can start in the illegal market and really get some clout and like you can start a brand in the illegal market and then carry that over. I mean, LA is the only real place you can do that for the most part, right? To a certain degree. I mean... I guess, I, I guess, what'd you say? You're probably right. Yeah. But yeah, I guess digressing back though, my point is like, my question is like, how unique is the LA cannabis market? Um, I guess, what are some things that like, I mean, I'm sure Pat can speak on this because he's been around a long time. Uh, I feel like cannabis has been legal in California for way longer than, than, you know, it's 20 plus years of cannabis has been legal in California because anybody can get their medical card, right? Mm-hmm. It's like you could, you know, say, I, I can't sleep at night, you get your medical card. You know, where other states you have to show proof and you had to go through all this stuff, right? So it's like for the last 20 years, consumers in California, as opposed to like Florida or, you know, like Texas, right? They've had the choice of some of the best weed in the world. Right. So you, you could go get your medical card and go to all these different shops and, and get really good cannabis. So they're a lot more educated in California. You know, you go to Florida and you go into a dispensary, and you're like, holy shit, this weed is trash, you know, but that company is doing two, three, four, five hundred million dollars a year in sales. You know, where that same company in California 
would never survive. You know, no one would buy that flower, you know? I think the answer to your question is uh, California operated in the gray area first since 1996. And because it operated in the gray area, you got a lot of people that got really experienced of operating in that area. And uh, that gave a lot of brands the ability to be created in that gray area and then transfer over to, okay, we want to do it the right way. Because everybody always wanted to do it the right way. They just didn't have the avenue to take it there. They were stuck in this gray area because there was regulators scared to regulate it. I mean, the city of Los Angeles, for example, had a city moratorium stopping people from getting the license. While, and they were supposed to use that moratorium time in order to regulate the industry. And they didn't want to regulate the industry or they weren't unable to regulate the industry because there's there was the DEA coming around to city officials and saying, if you try to regulate this, okay, we, we are gonna go after the city itself. There's a video online you can, see, you can find somewhere that has uh, Patrick Kelly, I believe was the DEA agent on that, went to the city of Del Mar and literally threatened the city of Del Mar that if you type, attempt to regulate this, you know, the DA will come after you. So because they had this gray area, this moratorium that stopped everybody and let everybody operate in this gray area for an extended period of time, longer than it was in any other area, <clears throat> Los Angeles built a community around that, this gray area community. And a lot of social media was started in that. A lot of uh, a lot of marketing was started in that gray area, but all of them really did want the rules to come out so they could do it the right way. You know, they're the risk takers. They're the ones that did everything at the beginning, and they attempted to do it the right way. Um, and that's why you see the transfer of these guys that were operating in the gray area transferring over to a licensed market. And a lot of other states didn't allow that gray area to, be, to exist or to operate for as an extended, as such of an extended period of time as Los Angeles and California did. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, that's a really, yeah, that's a really good point. Um, you said Pat, you said that video is by Patrick Kelly. D, yeah, I'll check that out. Sweet. So what do you guys, in terms of like, um, what do you got, what are you guys thoughts on celebrity cannabis brands and, and those rising? I'm, I'm, I'd love your guys thoughts on this as you guys are the OGs and yeah, I, you know, listen, like, like the last thing we want to do is, you know, start eating on someone because they're doing something right. Yeah. If, if someone's putting out an excellent product and they care about it and they're actually taking the quality control and they're in they're in the grow and they see what they're cultivating you know but it's like we just met with the one of the guys that are running these one of the big funds for one of the biggest rappers in the world you you obviously know who he is right he's a billionaire right and he, he just came in the cannabis industry they just did a big spac right and it was one of the guys who's who's flowering all of his uh, packaging all of his flowers, you know. They say, "What do you think? Like, what you're feeling is like, it's fucking trash, you know?" Or like, "What do you mean it's trash? you're involved in this shit?" He's like, "They're they're they're running the brand in the ground. They're they're putting in you know they're putting the worst product in it. The grower sucks." And I'm like, "But you're part of this thing, you know." And he's like, "No, I mean a part of it, but the, I, I have no control over that part of it. You know, they they selected their grower." a grower who was known for not putting out a good product, 
they knew this ahead of time. This is, you this know? is, in, this is in LA. This is in Cali. This is this is in LA. Yeah. 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 yeah, just like what was last week, right? Last week, they, yeah. They're talking about how the brands are being destroyed because the cultivator uh, can't grow quality, quality, but the brand gets gets it out there. But what's getting out there is a subpar product, and they're destroying the brand before they can really even get off the ground. Yeah. I kind of product yeah. itself should be enough to to get it out there, you know. Um, and I think that's what Jungle Boys does is the product speaks for itself, the community that, that we're involved with it speaks for itself and it speaks loud enough that we don't need a, an influencer to go out there and to influence our product uh, because we built something that speaks for itself. I mean, I think also, right, if, if you're a really good cultivator and you're good at what you, what you do, right, your, your flower sells itself, right? Like there, there's never enough good flour. You, you're never going to hear anybody say the market is flooded with triple A flour, right? It's always the market flooded with shitty ass weed or fucking where's the good weed at, you know? So, so at the end of the day, I think, you know, a lot of these growers that are signing these contracts obviously have big giant production facilities and they can't get rid of their flour. So they go and do some marketing deal with some big celebrity Right, and now you end up with that same trash weed, right? Just marked up and fucking at seventy-five dollars an eighth now in this pretty packaging that none of us would ever smoke, you know. Yeah. So at the end of the day, it's like, is there anybody big enough, you know, like an influencer or you know somebody that that came came, you know, that was a big cannabis smoker and that was a celebrity? that you're going to stand in line because they dropped a new flower that they don't, they've never even seen grown or they've never even grown cannabis in their life. They've never been through anything that we've been through in this industry. You know, uh, they're going to call it, you know, relaxing or, you know, whatever silly name they came up with, you know, it's like you hate to hate on that shit and be like the guy that's like, Oh, I'm a fucking hater. And you know, but at the end of the day, it's like, it is pretty fucking whack, you know? Yeah, no, it, yeah, exactly. And, and, and I, and I think really is, it's, it's just really brand heavy, right? Like they're the whole kind of pitch is like, Oh, this celebrity, it's, it's just such, you know, top heavy just with branding, marketing, you know, nice packaging, but what's actually backing it up. And, and that's where you guys, you know, you guys have, you know, had such a strong infrastructure backing up the Jungle Boys brand just with, you know, like I've, I've known a guy, I've known about you guys since I was in like, you know, end of like eighth grade, like I said, literally. And you guys, I've known you guys are top quality um, and you guys don't, you're not too brand top heavy in a sense. And and all of these and the ones you're talking about, um, you know, that, that person that you're talking about who just did the SPAC, I'm sure most people listening probably know uh, who we're talking about. I mean, yeah, it's kind of, I, I kind of catch myself when I'm talking about these brands that I'm like, catch myself kind of talking shit, but it's like, I don't really expect them to be putting out any good product and, but you're branding it like this is supposed to be, you know, super top quality. And, you know, I, I, yeah, I think there's going to be a very small percentage of those celebrity brands that really will make it. Yeah. I mean, cannabis i'm not a rapper or an actor or an actress or you know what i mean i'm not i'm not trying to claim to be somebody i'm not you know so i think when somebody comes in this industry i think the people that have been around for a long time always look at it like eh, you know like where's the flower coming from who's actually cultivating it do they care about the product and if you put out a good product 
bring it on, you know, I'll put it in my store, you know, but if it's going to be some subpar product, just slap a celebrity name on it, you know, it's like, uh, I'll pass. Yeah. Yeah. Have you guys ever thought about like, you know, doing a, cause I know like, for example, like cookies, they'll do some like side, like collaboration, you know, with, with a rapper and like, they'll help. The, you guys ever thought about doing something like that? I guess. We've, we've been hit up a bunch of times, even by people sure. that are like close friends of ours, you know what I mean? That were just like, it's hard. We don't have enough of our own flower, right? So it's like hard to justify putting someone else's name on our flower. Like, it, it, we want it to be like so real and like, you know, something that we would do a real breeding project and they would be involved in it and involved, involved selection and like just, you know, like really real, you know? And I just think we're not there yet, you know? And you know, it's easy to do a pen or, you know, something random that you just put someone's name on, you know, but I think if we did something like that, we wanted to be really unique and cool. And, uh, you know, it's not that the, not that the person that we would do with isn't unique and cool and creative and an artist, you know, it's just more of like, how do you make it real? So people really respect it and buy it. And people are like, Oh, it's general way. just putting someone's name on another product again. You know, I think, we'll kind of hold out for stuff like that. And if we ever did do it one day, it would be something that is truly unique in their own strain that they selected. And, you know, that was cultivated by us that we would put our stamp on, you know, it's, it's, it's we just don't have enough product at this time, you know? Yeah. You guys are just, yeah. And so it, it, it's just pretty, you guys, I mean, you guys have nine facilities and, and three stores. I mean that you guys must be, can't keep it on the shelf. That's crazy. Um, yeah, that's that's nuts. Um, so curious about Florida, right? So, what time is it right now? I want to make sure we don't too much. Thirty minutes in, okay. Um, so Florida is gonna you're gonna be allowed to do vertical integration there. Um, are there any things you got? Any like you know obstacles you guys are running? over there in terms of setting up? I mean, it's obviously a new place and getting used to the, the climate or I don't know. I'm, I'm not a growing, I have no idea what the grow, growing, I'm not, not a growing expert at all. So I'm curious, does that affect you guys as, you know, the, the climate? I guess it's California is pretty similar, but indoor. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think that, you know, we've been doing this long enough and we've, we've consulted and been involved in a lot of different uh, big projects, you know, that we've, we've been on the back end of that you know, all over, you know, from Vegas to Colorado to, you know, Florida through, you know, either Lux, Athena, or just our own consulting that we do on the back end, you know, helping people out that we know that we've been through it all and we've seen it all, you know, and I think as far as like environment and temperature control, most of we, we have that down, that's what we're good at, you know, uh, but, but like anything, I think Florida was one of those states where they had a limited amount of licenses, right? You could be fully vertically integrated. So meaning unlimited cultivation, unlimited stores, right? And truly it was like up to like 78 stores or something like that. Yeah. So, which, which is impressive for, you know, to, to be first to market like they did and to open up that many stores and do $500 million in revenue, you know, like you got to give it to them, right? Like, and they didn't do it, you know, with, they don't claim that they're the best railroad in the world, you know? So I think for us that the taxes and the fees 
and you know like not not having to deal with all that in florida right because obviously it's medical only right now right so the only fee there is is when the patient goes to get their initial license or your medical card so when you go and buy an AIDS of flour in florida and you pay 46 dollars, it's 46 dollars for the AIDS. in california when you buy an AIDS, you know there's taxes there's 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 all these compounding taxes that are in that, right? Well, there's none of that in Florida, right? So it's actually, you can sell a top tier product at a good price still there and actually still make a profit. You know, where it's like California, you know, you sell an eight for 46 bucks, you're not making $46. You know, you're making very little bit of money, right? Because you have your overhead, you have your expenses, you have your employees, you have your licensing fee, your taxes, your testing, all that stuff. Where it's like Florida, it's like, kind of like the old days again, right? You can actually sell an eighth and actually make some money off of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and in terms of Florida, like if you guys looked at the competition there for like your guys's, I guess, top tier quality, like, I mean, I'm, you guys are going to go, you guys are going to go over there and definitely like <laughs> crush it and probably kick, kick most of these people's asses, but you know, like isn't cookies over there, right? Or, not yet. Um, not yet. They have a license, but they're not set up yet. They haven't opened up any stores. Are there any other Cali brands over there or any sort of? Not not, not any big Cali brands that, that I know of that have like popped up yet. You know, they could be building something or, you know, in the middle of doing a partnership or whatever. But a lot of it's all, I'd say 99% of it's all publicly owned companies, you know, that have a bunch of money and a bunch of funding. And, you know, you can see all the money they make because they're a publicly owned company and and obviously all those numbers in Florida, the state puts out, you know, every month of the numbers that people are doing and the sales and all stuff and, and the sales in Florida are incredible. I mean, it's, you got to remember, you can only buy two and a half ounces every 35 days. Right. So, right. Yeah. Every 35 days, you can only buy two and a half ounces. Right. So LA, if you're a medical patient, you can buy eight ounces every day, yeah. you know? And there, it's very limited. And still, with those numbers, you have you have companies like Truly doing five hundred million dollars a year in sales. You know, so what happens when this thing becomes recreational, right? And now they're you know you can buy an ounce every day, or you can buy five ounces every day, whatever the number ends up being in the limit, right? And now you have the Jungle Boys there, right? That are doing real top shelf California indoor quality flour. You know what I mean? It's that's why we say it's like. People think we're crazy, but we say, you know, you need 10,000 lights to operate as a state like that. 10,000 lights don't even put a dent in. You know, 10,000 is a little tiny share of the market. Yeah. You know, because th these guys are growing huge outdoor, huge greenhouse, light depths, and doing all that stuff right now. No one's doing big indoor stuff there, you know? So it's like, that's why the quality, you see it, there's molds and there's all these issues cultivators are having like you can't buy flowers off of another grower there so it's completely vertically integrated so if you're you know if you own a, a grow and you're you have a bad harvest right that's the only way you could buy flour off someone else that had a failed harvest or they failed for whatever mold or something right you can't literally go to market and be like we have no flour on our shelf can we buy 500 pounds off you you have to grow everything yourself that's wild. I didn't know idea about that actually in Florida. That's wild. Okay, so you guys are you guys are about to go down there. And, yeah, y'all about to take over down there for sure. I did not know about that. I thought you could, you know, every other market usually you can, you know, buy from other, you know, 
other companies and stuff and repackage you have to fail to fail a batch, which fail basically testing, you fail, say you failed 100 pounds, then you can reach out to somebody and say, hey, do you have any extra flour to sell me because I failed, right? But there's not enough cultivators there, right? So there's literally people selling trap, like floor trim, you know, like stuff they swept off the floor for $3,000 a pound, you know, because that's just what the market is, you know? And, and obviously, you know, there's, there's guys paying cheaper prices than that, but at, at the end of the day, it's like the the amount of patience and the amount of cultivation and the amount of grows in Florida, and this is with being limited to two and a half ounces every 35 days when this thing goes recreational, it's going to be pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be nuts. I mean, it's also going to be nuts for medical. They have to pick two and a half ounces. Who are they going to pick? What kind of, you know, like, and if there's no like really limit on spending, but you only have the limit to the volume, probably going to pick the higher quality. Um, that is actually fascinating. I did not know about that. Um, the vertical integrate, I mean, the, you can't buy from other people there. Um, so we'll go over like a couple more questions. We can, uh, we can wrap this up. So I'm curious, like I didn't, we didn't, we talked about it a little bit, but I wanted, this is kind of related more to the documentary is like, so with like Lux lighting and Athena, what were some of those like innovative products? Like one of those innovative, um, aspects of these, the lighting and the nutrients, um, yeah, so I mean, I mean, our our DE one thousand was obviously we came out. That was like our flagship product, right? And it was obviously the the brightest light on the market when we came out with it, and the most efficient light, right? So I think when we when we came out with something, we're like, listen, we're not going to just put another light out like everyone else put out, right? Uh, there's so many of the same lights, right? We literally sat here in this conference room, you know, for days and drew it out, designed it and worked with different reflectors. And we, we sent it back and forth a bunch of times on different ballasts. And, and we came up with this thing where we're like, all right, this is next level for a light, right? And then I think that having the ability to R&D all of this stuff inside of all of our facilities, listen, you see all these other manufacturers, right? And they'll show a picture of, you know, there's, there's, there's a grower using their product, right? But that grower doesn't have an incentive to R&D for these companies, right? They don't own, they, you know, they, they just got, they're just trying to grow a product and do good at it, right? We have the ability to take whole entire facilities now and do R&D and testing and, you know, test different light spectrums and different patterns and different temperatures and different humidity conditions. Like no one else is doing that, right? So I feel like it gives us the upper hand on everything. It's like, I hear people like, oh, I'm going to put Athena next to this nutrient line, right? I'm like, bro, I did that for the last 15 years. You know, like I ran every nutrient line there was out there, you know, and we, we lost millions of dollars along the way doing it, you know, but we needed to know for ourselves who made the best product right? Why was it better than everybody else? And was all these snake oils that you're being sold by all these nutrient companies that say it makes your buds more taste better and it tastes like bubble gum. Is any of that shit true? You know, and 99% of it was all bullshit. It was just like a marketing play on cannabis. And we just wanted to put up out a product that was the best product there was at the best price. Like we do everything, you know, and then go and put it in all of our facilities and show everybody like, all right, here it is crushing it every single day, right. With the best product, with the best yields. And, you know, 
a bottle of bottle of liquid nutrients is 250 bucks. You know what I mean? Like take for instance, like one of the bigger companies, uh, uh, you know, uh, I don't want to mention any names, but one of the bigger nutrient companies is, you know, a dollar 75 a gallon to make nutrients, right? Or seven, mm-hmm. you know, so a dollar 75 a gallon for the, one of the bigger nutrient companies were 17 cents a gallon. That's wild. You know, yeah. it just to show the margins that they've had over the years and the money that they've made off the cannabis industry, fooling people and selling them all these snake oils and, you know, 99% water and a grower gets in their head that they had like this perfect run because when all along they were just giving their plant 99% water. That's nuts. Yeah. And, so I think, yeah. I think you why we did what we did, you know, because we wanted to be like, we want to prove that, that you didn't need all that bullshit and that we were going to come out with a product that was not only better, but at a way fraction of the price than you're paying for, you know, whatever big nutrient company is out there. Yeah. And I think the point you made too, is like, that this is like, you know, advanced nutrients, they don't, they don't have their own grow. They don't have their own product that they're using it in. Um, I think that's, yeah. I mean, that's hard. It's hard to argue against that as well. I mean, this is like what works for you guys and you guys are, you know, world-class growers would you call it okay and this is something that i was like like i'm would you guys consider and i know it's kind of hard for you guys to say that for your about yourselves but like i personally would kind of consider you guys the most famous like commercial growers in the world i mean i don't think we ever think of i don't think i I know it's hard yeah you don't want to toot your own horn but like yeah i mean i don't don't think people are just so busy with like life and families and you know running a business and you know we don't ever really think of that kind of stuff i mean there's there's moments of things that have happened that have definitely been crazy you know somebody jumps out of the bush in the middle of nowhere and it's like hey bro i've been waiting for you for a couple hours (laughs) that story you told me fucking blew my mind (laughs) like like that shit makes it feel like all right bro this is pretty fucking crazy you know what i mean but you're so busy and you have so much shit going on in life you know what i mean it's like hey i appreciate you bro thank you you know what i mean like I, you know, like we obviously appreciate it. You know what I mean? And like, that's why we always get back to all these people and we want to share and want to teach them and want to help them, you know, but sometimes things happen where you're like, dude, that was fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll speak. I mean, like I said, I'm not, I'm definitely no growing expert, but I have a very good knowledge of just different things throughout the campus. Industry. I would say you guys are the most famous, like collective of growers in the world. Like there might be certain individuals, but like collective wise. Um, and yeah, and then just in my opinion, um that's that's yeah sorry i know it's a weird question to ask you guys i'm just um so couple last last couple of questions so with like so with burner and exotics i'm curious is that you know that's still you that's on the back burner right now obviously is there any sort of plans to bring that back or in the future like to really talk about expanding that or and if they're in like let's just say theoretically let's say you were to expand it like like or to really you know focus on it more you and burner like what exactly you know like what would that entail you know um if you had to if you had to guess it's hard right because i think we're both running at a thousand miles per hour right now mm-hmm. i couldn't imagine what he has to deal with every single day with having you know the amount of partners that he has and 
you know, like just dealing with all the music industry and the cannabis industry and every, you know what I mean? Like, I sometimes you don't even take a stop, you know. Yesterday, I, I, I got home and I didn't even eat all day long, you know what I mean? Like, I'm so fucking busy, you know. So I think for both of us, we're just, we're going, we both have our paths that we're going in, you know? I mean, obviously, you know, we're both creative people, you know what I mean? And we both come up with cool, cool stuff, you know, I mean, a lot of the stuff that Cookies is doing now is, you know, like all stuff that, you know, me and Bernard have talked about for a long time and had many a late nights and, you know, talked about cool creative designs and ideas and who you would collab with and, you know what I mean, you know? So, so I think, uh, you know, it's just, they're, they're, we're just in two different paths right now for our business, you know, and, and we're just both moving so fast. I don't think any of us have time to like slow down and be like, all right, let's look at this right now. Cause like we both have enough on our plate right now, you know? Mm. Yeah, definitely. Um, do you guys ever in the future, like is just for the jungle boys, um, are there any going to be any, like any sub brands potentially coming out in the future or just other brands potentially? Um, or are you just. Yeah, for sure. So uh, we're, we're working on some stuff right now, um, working uh, with a couple other brands and looking at acquiring maybe a couple other brands and bringing them under our, you know, family of brands, you know, um, but uh, something we're, we, we're actually working on something that we're going to announce pretty, pretty soon on that stuff. But yeah, so we, we have some other stuff up our sleeves that we've been working on and uh, same thing, you know, be organic and cool and new and innovative and, you know, letting people that maybe didn't get a chance in this industry, but, but were really good at what they did and maybe they just didn't have the funding or they just kind of got, got to so many roadblocks that they kind of gave up. Well, we want to kind of maybe pick those guys up, you know, and, and give them the opportunity to do and on a real platform and give them a grow and let them do their thing, you know, like we're open to all that stuff, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's something you guys are, that's something I definitely highlight in the documentary. I mean, you guys, there's, I think there was, you know, there's, so many different other groups of people you know i've seen it here in washington state where i'm from you know a lot of people that maybe weren't as on top of their shit or just didn't have the right, right opportunities to be able to move into the hey, so i did all the talking and just didn't talk at all <laughs> yeah i want to yeah i want to yeah i want to use it the way it is that's how i am bro i should be the silent partner bro <laughs> yeah well yeah, no, we gotta. I'm, I'm. We can do. I want to do this again though. If if you guys are in the, I'd, I'd like to have like individually. If you guys ever want to come on my my podcast, I would love to have you individually on just talk and. Um, you should have them both on because they both have really cool stories. Yeah, I feel like yeah, hundred percent. I definitely would love that. Um, if you guys would be down, I would. I would definitely like to talk more with y'all and. But all all three of you guys are OGs. <clears throat> but um. Yeah, I think, I mean, you guys, the three of you, and then, you know, all the other, uh, you know, uh, people on your guys' teams, I mean, it obviously, um, you guys are definitely cohesive and, and just moving as a unit. And I think that's pretty, uh, it's pretty unique to have, you know, this family business, this, uh, you know, OG, you know, guys have been around forever and you guys are continuously, you know, expanding, but not too quick, you know, not too quick. And, um, yeah, it's I, I 
I just gotta say, like, I the more I study you guys, I told us to Ivan, but like you guys, in my opinion, are you know the top brand for me personally long term. Like I said in this documentary, if I put all my money, if I had to bet all my money on one top tier cannabis uh brand, it would be you guys. Um so I gotta tip my hat off to you guys and I and I really appreciate, you know, uh all your guys, you know, your guys' time and um all the stuff that you guys do. Um you guys definitely are, you know, OGs, people look up to you. Um and you know, you guys are continuously innovating. So um really appreciate y'all sweet so yeah i'm excited too so we're gonna be so this documentary is coming out tomorrow um and so yeah this is kind of a little podcast so this is episode number 33 of the frame flower podcast this is the high design special um if you guys anybody watching this um you haven't seen the documentary go check it out uh definitely and it's it's a fucking nuts it's an insane story it's just <laughs> some of the stuff yeah some of the stuff you guys went through it, it blows my mind blows my mind last real quick question like last last question i guess besides the one tunneling in is there any other crazy like you know attempted break-ins um, we've had so many crazy shit happen bro like <laughs> Like uh, we had we had somebody uh, in a Range Rover tie a chain around like one of our big overhead doors in our building and ripped the whole door off of the building. And it, the fucked up part is like week four of flowers. They came and chopped down a bunch of plants that were like in week floor four, which is nothing, you know, it's just a bunch of leaves, you know. But I mean, I know Pat's had she's we've all been through. I mean, there was a time in our lives when you know, Prop D medical, you know, or like at 2.30 in the morning when your phone would ring, you just go like, fuck, man. this is going to suck. Bad. You know, we had a huge fire, you know, where we lost everything right after we built the bro. You guys had a fire? Oh, no. Yeah. I mean, you guys have, it seems like you guys had everything potentially. Oh, we've, blown, we've blown up so many fucking electrical lines and transformers. And, you know, remember, they, they don't fix it when you you know, you don't blow you don't blow up a transformer electrical line in LA and they come run out and they fix it. You know, they're like, Oh, you're fucked, shut down the business, we're red tagging it, go home. You know, so we we've been through, I mean, like I said, bro, I mean it's like what you put in that documentary is five percent of what's happening. You know? Yeah. I, I that's that's definitely why I want to have you guys all individually on because I want to tap you guys, just have tap you guys for some of those stories, because you know. I think you guys, I mean, you guys have been in this for years, you know, decades now. So I'm sure you guys have added up, especially, you know, fact is you guys are in LA, which right. Like <laughs> a lot of shit can happen in LA. Um, well, sweet guys really appreciate you guys. Seriously. Thank you guys so much. You guys are, you guys are the big homies, the OGs. Um, and yeah, so just can't, can't say that enough.